Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, get it automatically. Keep it easy on yourself. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Philly Improv Theater is debuting a new sketch house team this week. Today's guest is the head writer of that team, Steve Norris Jr. Steve is also a member of Where the Trees Are and a writer on Philly Comedy Wrestling. Steve's first sketch is a parody of a noir detective story. I read the role of Detective Dick Dixon, and as is generally the case with noir detective stories, you hear that detective's inner monologue. So whenever you hear Dick Dixon's inner monologue, you'll hear a noir-style saxophone music in the background, and whenever he talks normally, he just talks. Steve reads the role of Big Gulp, and he'll also read the stage directions and visual information. So let's go to the sketch. Interior Detective Office, 1950s. Detective Dick Dixon sits at his desk, surrounded by papers and liquor, clad in a suit. Nearby, his thoughts are spoken by his inner monologue. There are two types of people in this world. Those that commit crimes, and those for whom crimes are committed against. Me, well, I guess I break the mold. Name's Detective Dick Dixon. Been in the private eye business since before bread was sliced. People come to me with questions, and you can bet the horse you rode in on that I find the answers every single time. Dixon sits at his desk and pours a shot of whiskey. He downs the liquid as a knock occurs at the door. Come in. A woman, Big Gulp, enters. She is a human dumpster fire. She coughs, dressed in a cat sweater and sweatpants, her hair an absolute mess. She carries an envelope. Please, have a seat. May I offer you a beverage? Big Gulp grunts in approval. Even though I only had bourbon, the woman herself was a cool glass of water. Refreshing, especially from the normal clientele. She had an air of luxury to her. Someone who was given the world and demanded the moon. Confident. Well carried. I could hardly control myself. The name's Dick Dixon. Detective Dick Dixon. And you? Big Gulp. Big Gulp? How exotic. Yeah, my mother named me after the first thing she saw in her car. Also, I was 32 ounces. Just massive. Part of me wants to believe that she had no clue of the power her gaze had over me. But there was a certain unspoken understanding that... That my heart was there for the taken. And take it she did. You got any more free booze? By state law, I'm not allowed to have any in my home ever since I accidentally drank three bottles of tequila and burned out of high school. Dixon pours Big Gulp another glass. I knew I had to curb my thirst for both liquor and my guest. Her scent was intoxicating enough, a blend of spice that would make an Indian blush. Utterly hypnotic. Now tell me, ma'am. What can I help you find? 
It's Big Gulp. Ma'am was my mother's name and also the name of the warden at the prison I was released from a week ago. Uh, no relation. Apologies. Big Gulp. I'm looking for something real goddamn important to me. Something's been missing for three days. Big Gulp hands the envelope to Dixon. He removes a magazine, the cover worn to hell, and the page is frayed. Highlights magazine? You know of it. It's a classic. Yeah, you're fucking telling me. Yeah, this is my bathroom reader. Every day I wake up, go to take a shit, pull out my Highlights magazine, read the Goofus and Gallon comic, drop my load, wash, rinse, repeat. Well, guess what? Some Goofus tore the comic page out. I haven't made a deposit at the butt bank for three days because I need a, a reminder to be a normal human fucking being. Dixon turns and looks away from Big Gulp. A woman in pain. There's no denying it. While I typically try to stay away from the more benign, I felt compelled to help the woman who would eventually buy real estate in my dreams. My heart was working overtime to keep up with the flow of blood to my brain and somewhere else as well. I found myself dizzy with the suspense of rescuing this damsel in distress. Suffice it to say, I had been a private eye for a better part of 20 years, but I had never met someone so captivating. Hey Dick, my asshole's playing tug of war with gravity and it's been at a stalemate for God knows how long. Can you help or not? My apologies, ma'am. I mean, big gulp. Yes, I believe I can help you. Can you remember the last time you saw it? Christ if I know, man. I usually keep it on top of the mini-fridge by the toilet. You see, I have a workstation set up for the long shits and the short shits, really. You know, I really should just get more orange juice in there. Working the streets as I did, broads like this were a dime a dozen. Now, they're diamonds in the rough that is this city. Every bone in my body ached with anticipation. Listen, Dick. Don't think I haven't noticed the way you've been looking at me. You're not so bad yourself, what with that hat you're wearing. Hey, I'll let you be the Jason Biggs to my American pie. All it takes is one woman to sweep in here with a pair of doleful eyes, and my whole life gets put in disarray. Maybe that's what I needed. Someone to break the monotony. Pursue the spontaneity. Big Gulp stands and walks towards the exit. I can't let this prairie dog keep playing peekaboo no more. You just sit right here. I'll be back in 30 minutes, and we'll get down and dirty all over this place. My ass is about to shriek like a kid in a haunted house. Big gulp exits. Easy come, easy go. The world keeps spinning because that's what happens in this business. I just hope one day she returns. Big gulp enters. Yeah, this one's going to be a power hour. I'm going to need that highlights. Hey, Steve. Hey, Josh. All right, so tell me about this noir parody. Uh, <laughs> I've always been uh, fascinated with the like the early 20th century mid-Atlantic uh, accent. And I just, I love those old like detective shows where it's just this common trope now, right? Where you just see this detective sitting at a desk and it's in black and white. And uh, all of a sudden this uh, femme fatale type walks in. Uh, you see it like in, in all different types of media. And I was like, how do I take that and put it on its, you know, put it on its side? And I was like, well, what if the femme fatale is just someone who is just co the complete opposite, but the detective is still interested uh, mm -hmm. in her just because that's the trope. That's just what he is. So no matter who walks through that door, he's in love. Uh, 
And then I just found so much fun in making that big gulf character that I was just like, <laughs> how can I make this character as disgusting as humanly possible? What is the what is a human deterrent? And and then this came to be. And when was this written? So this was written in 2014. Uh, my technically this is uh, like like uh, not not my first very first sketch. Those were in high school. That were in a computer long long dead. But uh, this is my first in the in like when I started doing comedy. Yeah. So uh, okay, let's talk about that first. Yeah. Like you you were writing comedy sketches in high school too. Yeah, uh, it, it was one of those things that it wasn't that we went out and actually did anything with it. It was just we always talked about it. So I just wrote, you know, two or three page sketches that were really just, you know, really inspired by early MTV. <laughs> OK, um, you, I mean, you said not to necessarily like perform them, but like, so why why write the sketch? I think it's just that I always wanted to do sketch in some degree you know, to some degree i grew up a massive fan of saturday night live my dad had me watching the best of collections of dan Aykroyd and chris farley when i was like four or five years old so growing yeah. up i just love sketch comedy even and then throwing in mad tv uh into the mix that was like a really early influence so i just thought like you know i they look like they were having so much fun doing it and i really liked the way that i wrote and i was really proud of my writing and i was like how can i you know combine this into a passion and that became it and then it went away for a while hmm you mean you brought up snl and your fandom of snl so like watching the best of that like four or five that's like that's <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah uh yeah it 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 was a uh a pretty no holds barred, barred household <laughs> uh no my dad was you know he was he was my best friend growing up and uh he mm. Uh, he still is, and you know we we both just really connected and bonded over comedy. So you know he wanted to get me into you know watching the comedy that he liked, and he was really big on Saturday Night Live since its inception. And you know it was sort of something that we shared, especially during like the the very young years of my life. So we had like every Best of Collection uh, mm. and like a couple of the box sets too. Uh, do you what, who's your favorite SNL cast member? Oh tough question um if i had to i guess if i had to narrow it down to one andy samberg and i say that because he has been the most fun that i've watched after leaving the show like okay. someone who's just like gotten into their you know gotten into their own like we we've seen you know will ferrell uh come out and do different types of roles drama and comedy and he's and he was you know and i and i like him it's not that i don't like him it's just that every project that i've seen andy samberg in outside of Saturday Night Live has also been incredibly funny to watch. Hmm. Yeah. For me, there have been really no big bombs and Lonely Island was just a, a huge thing for me through college. Recently with like the, the roast of Alec Baldwin, I went back and watched some of the old roast like sets and the one that he did at the James Franco roast where like, instead of all the jokes being against like, you know, the other people on the dais, every joke was like you know hit him just as yeah. hard like it's great like he, i don't know there's a, a you know a goofiness and a silliness to him that's awesome and yeah i mean and it's genuine uh you can tell that he's just trying to have fun and he's trying to make other people laugh too with him like that's it's you can't get much better comedy than that you know the the, the kind of comedy that punches sideways you know usually at himself 
Uh, he's yeah, and I and I love that sort of self-deprecating humor too. But he, outside of that, he's just a big weirdo, right? Like <laughs> everything that he's put out has just been super bizarre. Um, and then he also mentioned Mad TV, which I don't think gets an, enough love, like right within sketch comedy history. Like especially when you look at you know some of some of the people that have graduated from the show and how big they are or like i mean but i i mentioned this like and i did some research on this because you know i this is what i nerd out about oh yeah jordan peele won an oscar he's the first mad tv person to be nominated for an oscar that i know of I, I'm, there might have been someone for a short or somewhere somewhere but like it took less time for a mad tv alum to win an oscar than it did for an snl alum to win an oscar have there really been the snl alums getting oscars um the only two that like the major ones that i know of i mean there's been plenty of like yeah. nominations and stuff uh was for music score because the original musical director scored the lord of the rings movies and oh. he got one for i think return of the king and then adam mckay won for a uh, big short a couple years ago wow that's it that's crazy yeah that's like and then jordan peele gets one for get, get out like i think i think when it comes to like mad tv there there are uh, clearly some very very big bombs there are ones that you know definitely you know we we look back on we're like ah we let that happen uh but there was also some really smart comedy in there at certain points too uh and every every key michael key and jordan peele sketch i've ever seen was very smart in just like the the dynamics that they had on screen, uh, the the speed that they had, like the, the the pacing, was just so well done, and I just every time I think of Mad TV, I you, you got to think of Stewart. Stewart <laughs> yeah. was yeah, it's a Stewart was easily my favorite thing. Like, it's a mainstay. It is a, it is still a character that you can think about and 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 laugh hard at because what a what a, what a character like a. a 44 year old man as like a kid yeah this giant man child yeah. yeah uh Stuart was a character that i would do to my sister to make her laugh like i would you know do i would replicate the voice as best i could and like i never walked around in my underwear like he did but like the no <laughs> look what i can do i'm going my own way like i would do it all the time i love it oh yeah he's, that's that's one yeah now watching back thinking back that's probably one of my favorite sketch characters of all time. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. You just had, you know, Alex Borstein won another Emmy this weekend for Mrs. Maisel. Like, like Ike Barinholtz is, is finally lighting up and doing a ton. Yeah. Right. Keegan Peel, obviously are the biggest stars to come out. Like, or, or maybe not biggest, but like huge stars to come out of it. Like there's a ton of people from that show that I'm like, why haven't they, and and this is also true with SNL too, but like, why haven't they hit bigger? Like Will Sasso to me, why isn't he like the number three guy on a sitcom somewhere? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. It feels like anytime I see him, it's always been like a really quick bit role. Uh, I think what was the last thing I saw him in? Ugh, his vine. <laughs> <laughs> like he should be like the next door neighbor on some sitcom on CBS. Yeah. And I don't understand why he's not. Yeah, incredibly funny. Uh, same with, uh, and 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 I hate saying it, but I'm now I'm also thinking of Frank Caliendo because like, he's such a. You either love it or you hate the impression comedy, but his his impressions to me are some of the best in the business. 
Uh, I think he went to Vegas though. Like, I feel like he he found he that Vegas was his, right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he found that that was his bread and butter, and he just he. I think he's all right. I'll do this. <laughs> Which is, I guess is one of those things about comedy is like just because you don't see them doing stuff on TV doesn't mean that they're not doing stuff or like exactly making fistfuls of money on in Vegas or AC on that tour. Like, I mean, I, I always it always confuses me that like there's certain standups that, you know, don't come anywhere near Philadelphia, but I'm sure they're doing okay. Like, like I think Jim Gaffigan for some reason. Yeah. Like, I think he's only been in Philadelphia like once in the last like four or five years, despite the fact that he's constantly touring. Yeah. And, uh, and Bill Burr too. Right. Because like ever since that incident where we (laughs) kind of boot him out. Yeah. Bill Burr is definitely a, love them hate them kind of guy oh for sure yeah yeah but i'm just thinking like i'm just remembering like the, i think it was the early 2000s when he got booed out of philly and then all and then for like the five minutes that he was stayed on stage afterwards he just shat talk on donovan McNabb. Yeah. uh so like yeah for love him or hate him yeah he's he he's no longer coming to philly i don't think <laughs> um all right so uh any other like comedy memories from your childhood like any any other big touchstone pieces of work? Uh, I have to talk about this for a second because this is something that's uh, it's it's weird to talk about because um, like I like I did it for a while, but I, I was I went to a Christian college and I did a Christian uh, dramedy ministry. Okay, so I was curious about this because your email address is is from this Christian co- Christian college. Yes, and. Full disclosure, I also went to a Christian college. I didn't finish, but I, I, I went to Messiah. Oh, Harrisburg. Messiah. Uh, Division three rivals. <laughs> right. And I one of the recurring themes is me being jealous of people that had sketch comedy in their colleges. Because I would have loved to have that opportunity, even though I know in my head that at my college, sketch comedy at my college would have been some kind of evangelistic tool. Yep instead of just art for art's sake so all right let's talk about uh this performance at eastern so you know that thing that you said where you said that it would be used for evangelism yes spot on uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, look i actually i made several friends uh in that group that i still talk to to this day there are a lot that that i still i still keep in touch with uh but that that group Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> it was the best way to describe it. It was, um, it was theater boot camp for Christ because we met three times a week and we practiced these sketches that the director wrote. And there was a guy who was a junior at the time. Uh, and they were all very, very evangelistic. Um, some like, like intentionally like cl- like cloyingly uh sweet and at some po- at sometimes just purely painful uh because he would write these things where it's like you're uh you're a character that is like who who lost their best friend like in a car accident and you're just screaming at god why would you take him from me and and then all of a sudden he would walk out as god and be like here's the reason why uh <laughs> And it would just be like this super serious topic. And then like he would come out dressed as Christ and it's like, oh <laughs> no. And people like were really into it. And yeah. 
And that was like the shocking part for me. Cause I was like, look, I'm just trying to do theater. And like, yeah, I wasn't super evangelistic at that time. I was just like, this is a, a theater opportunity. And the theater at that year, they were, they didn't want me. Like they didn't take me after my audition. So I was mm. like, all right, I'll do this thing. And I did that my freshman year. And I immediately dropped out afterwards from, from that <laughs> troop. I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You did the full year. Uh, I did it for the full year. Um, the real, like the reason being was that like, they, they had all these trips planned and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tr- it's a traveling thing for sure. I'll do that. <laughs> like We're going up to Maine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're going down to South Carolina. Sure. Like I'm 18 and ready to, ready to party. Uh, but party, <laughs> well, I mean, party beer, within so. yeah. the context of a Christian college. Yeah. Root beer keggers. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I, dude i'm same boat like yep <laughs> those things are very interesting because i also worked at like church camps and stuff and like oh, then you uh, got it. like i i totally there was one and like it's it's such a uh i i know it still happens i'm sure it still happens uh where they do like like almost interpretive dance uh to a song Yep, and I, and I have a very distinct memory of "Total Clips of the Heart" <laughs> by Bonnie Tyler. Uh, can I tell you something embarrassing? Did you do that? <laughs> uh, not that, but it was like <laughs> it was Lifehouse. Uh, uh, hanging by a moment, or everything, everything, everything. Yep. <laughs> everything came out when I was in college, and it it blew up on the campus, like because it was like just post Creed. And for whatever reason, everything was a song that was like, like on the college radio playlist, like every other hour. That that makes a lot of sense. Well, and, <laughs> and, yeah, because like they, like Switchfoot was big back then, and like uh, Pod. So like yeah. all these bands, like all these like like Christian rock bands, were like sliding under the radar. Uh, but I I challenge you, after this interview, to go online and Google search the Everything by Lifehouse skit. And that it's not my video, but it's what we did. He was like, I like this video. We need to do this. One. And then one of my joys of working at that camp uh, was, and, and your, your sketch brought it up because there's a prairie dog joke in it. Um, every, every day at like lunch, there would be some kind of skit for the kids to have like a trivia question. And like the, the first team to, you know, answer the trivia question later in the day would, would win a prize. And for some, whatever reason, so these were all skits and they all became characters. So I was asked to do a, a Dr. Phil parody. <laughs> like, so I'm doing this awful Dr. Phil impression, but somehow the first day I, I forget what it was like first day I, I made a prairie dog joke and no one caught it. So every day I made some kind of poop reference, seeing if anyone would, under, would notice. And did they ever? Nope. Uh, of course. Like, yep. I mean, the the kids might have been like junior high, or something where they just it they they may have never heard of prairie dogging or turtlenecking or whatever like, <laughs> but yeah, every day I made some kind of poop reference and it all flew under the radar and I was like giggling to myself the entire week. <laughs> so good good for you for getting over on them. <laughs> Sometimes things work out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you, you you're writing certain things in you know in high school with your friends mm-hmm. and then 2014 uh you you write this sketch what's happening in between and you mentioned like you wanted to do theater yes so were you a theater kid growing up 
Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was traveling back in time for a second. I want to say it was 2003. I started doing Upper Darby Summer Stage. Um, okay. This big like summer theater program. It's Tina Fey came up through. Um, you know, it's it's like a like the the sh- the shining jewel of Delco, and <laughs> and uh, I did theater there for for years in the children's theater program. I did the the main stage program, uh, and I also when I was there because this was back in high school, that was where I started doing uh, uh, directing too because I directed for different one act uh, shows, so. Yeah. I was just getting super, super involved in theater. And then by the time I got to college, I was doing, uh, eventually I joined the theater there and I started doing the shows there. I also worked as the uh, uh, student technical director. So I also helped build the sets. So at this point, like I just knew every facet of the theater. Uh, And then college ended and uh, that was it. Like I didn't know what else to do with that. And I didn't think I was good enough to, try out for any uh, or audition for any of the shows at uh, like bigger theaters in Philly uh, or even the community theaters. Really. I just didn't really have like a, a, a huge confidence boost in that. So I just worked for a few years, you know, uh, didn't, didn't really uh, have many hobbies outside of that until like it just, you know, I, I basically became like a, like a little crazy trying to figure out like what I need to do something. Mm. So you uh, spent a bunch of years in, in real life outside of the arts yeah uh it was yeah zero arts do you have a favorite role that you would that you've done probably george from our town uh i did that one in college and that role was uh it was it was fun to play because it's i yeah i'm usually cast in like these these dad roles so uh you know, every single role that I've been at basically was just like now son, like re- really stern. And it was the first time I got to play something that felt like it was my age or, uh, you know, even like, like slightly younger. So I was like, Oh sweet. Like I can be like a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. and then just like, and then just viewing this like slice of life or being a part of the slice of life relationship on stage it, and then like, and then, you know, feeling it develop as the character. I was like, this is, you know, something that I haven't really quite experienced before. I'm either the, the, the wacky weird character role or the, uh, you know, the, the dad. Mm. Uh, and is there a dream role? Is there something that you would love to do at some point, like a bucket list, top of the bucket list role for you? Top of the bucket list has to be cat in the hat from Susical. I, I love that musical. Unironically yeah. love it. It is so over the top. There's, you know, it, with with all the characters uh and i just loved dr seuss books growing up but the the cat in the hat role is just like this this parade leader right this this person mm-hmm. who's just taking charge of the of the whole show and 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 leading the audience through that wild like fantastical journey and and you know i i i, I can carry a tune so i so it's always been that dream role like oh maybe i could do it but uh suffice it to say has not happened yet yeah plenty of time i think yeah yeah plenty of time (laughs) (laughs) all right so then where's the impetus to to write this sketch like um what what re-triggers your brain to do it in 2014 so in 2014 i started taking improv classes at the philly improv theater uh how'd you find out about 
Oh, so no, no, no. It was, it was like, I want to say it was my last year of high school. It was 2008. And my English teacher was taking classes. Oh. Uh, so at the very early stages, I had heard about it. And I was like, she showed me pictures from the classes too. So I was like, oh, wow, that actually looks like fun. But I didn't have the money or the time. So I just waited for a little while. And, and by the time I was like, you know, able to afford it, I didn't really, you know, remember that it was a thing. Mm. And then I saw uh, someone make a, a Facebook post. It must have been like a old acquaintance just saying that they were that they had just finished up their one-on-one class and i looked it up and i was like oh this is this looks like fun so called a friend of mine to join me to class and we took 101 to 401 together all right so uh since we're you know philly based and we know the cast characters who were your instructors going through uh the the fit process uh my instructors were awesome and uh, they start with 101 of Caitlin Weigel. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the 201 was uh, Jessica Snow. Uh, and Jess Snow uh, was so good that our class formed uh, an indie team that is now an improv sketch hybrid team where the trees are. Okay. So that was, that, that was a little, little side. Uh, 301, I had uh, Mike Marbach, uh, you know, who's, who's you know, always awesome to perform for because he really gives you... A, uh, some really solid feedback. And then uh, 401, the d- very delightful Kristen Shear. Nice little lineup there. Um, I say, uh, so you mentioned that your 201 class yeah. basically stayed together. Still together. It's uh, five years later. And um, did you do any of the sketch writing courses or? No, never there. Uh, the yeah. only sketch writing that I. No, I don't. Th- I actually haven't taken any classes on it. They, I've only been taking classes on uh, on on script writing, so not technically sketch writing. Right. Okay. So, all right. Uh, so, where the tre- where the trees are s- starts with your two hundred one improv class. Yep. So let's talk about that. Um, they are my oh, first love. <laughs> like what? What's the what's the moment where you, where you guys where you all are like, yeah, let's 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 do stuff. Let's let's keep going. I think we realized probably by our second to last class that we just really enjoyed being together and that we weren't sure like how this whole thing works. We were all really new to this. So we were like, well, instead of like trying to find, you know, our own teams and, and go out there, why don't we just like stick together? We already have a feel for one another. We performed, you know, every week in class. And when you're meeting weekly with a, with a group of people, uh, you know, that tends to force you to have some sort of bond with them. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you have to be there. You have to be with them. And some of them were there with you since 101. So it was, I think it was around like the second to last class where we all decided that, that this was something that we, you know, we didn't really want to pass up. So we decided to just go full indie. And, uh, and then for, yeah, for a little while, we were the largest improv team in Philly. And then we became the longest run, running indie team. Cause there was wow. 11, there was, 11 of us at the start. So like the full class stayed together. Uh, there was one person who wasn't able to, uh, okay. but he wishes he could, he had a uh, family obligations. So, hmm. so what's the starting point? Like, like where do you start getting shows? Where did, do, where does, where do you get to get the reps? Uh, starting point was when we first brought on uh, our coach, Rob Aliciani, who was uh, like a, a huge advocate for us. 
and helped us like reach out to different spaces. Like we performed at uh, uh, the free improv at uh, the Grape Room in Maniunk. Uh, we performed, uh, you know, usually at the at the Headlong Space, and uh, and then Fit itself back when it was doing the the Launchpad program was a mm-hmm. was a big boost for us too. Because we were able to get a, a weekly show there as well as a weekly instructor. What's the transition to doing sketch comedy with where the trades are? So we did improv for a, about a year, and then a couple of us uh, thought, like you know, that maybe we could consider just meeting, you know, off to the side and just sort of work together on some some scripted stuff. Because you know, we we grew up watching a lot of uh, a lot of sketch comedy online, you know. Uh, Derek comedy was a was a massive influence for us um yeah just the 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 donald glover origin story um and uh we decided to to start doing some some sketches then and you know we 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 wrote them up we then got together uh pulled together a fund we bought ourselves a, a camera uh some some basic lighting equipment and uh we started recording some really sort of uh very basic level sketches. So you were recording sketches before you were performing them on stage? Yes, that is oh. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I felt more comfortable uh, in front of and behind the camera than I did in front of an audience doing it. Despite having years of theater, it's it, still doing comedy was, was still pretty fresh for me. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, I had like a like a the friend group growing up that sort of just told me that I wasn't funny, and uh, they they kind of made it seem like <laughs> they they made it oh, seem no. like no matter what I did, uh, I wasn't gonna be funny. Like I would throw in a bit, and then they just like would not land. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was like, well, let me take the you know, and that was one of the motivating factors. I was like, I'm gonna take this class, and then after that, I was like, I'm gonna do you know improv because it's something I can do weekly, and then eventually mm-hmm. that ended up fueling like my passion for, for writing again. I was like, why don't I, why don't I just put this on, uh, you know, put this to paper. So was the sketch that you, that we read today, was that like part of the, where the trees are writing process? Like where in the timeline does this sketch coincide with where the trees are? This sketch, uh, this sketch was basically a year after we were together. Uh, and we started talking about, uh, doing digital sketch and putting that together. And I, I wanted to write something that was, you know, all focused in one room. This was actually meant to be recorded uh, because I wanted to do that sort of 1920s, you know, black and white, uh, mm-hmm. you know, filtered style. Like I wanted to have that like gritty uh, older film feel to it. And, uh, and then shortly after that, like shortly after we just, Oh, actually, well, here's a preface uh, to that we couldn't record this one because we couldn't find a space for it. And we're still trying to find a space for that. So if anybody out there knows a space where I could turn a detective uh, office into that, yeah, I can make that into a detective office. Let me know. Uh, but we, but we wrote that up and we were getting ready to, to do that for digital. We couldn't find the space. I said like, why don't, you know, why don't we talk to the, to the group as a whole and see if we want to just give this a try. And so we pitched it to the group that, you know, maybe we do live sketch a try and see how that works. And like, there were several people in the group that were just immediately like, yes, I want to do other things. I want to just stick doing just to the one. So that's that first sketch was like the first one we read. 
And then uh, after that, like a couple other people started submitting more sketches and, and then we just put together a couple shows like uh, about a year later. So we started doing live sketch, I want to say late 2016. What is the process for where the trees are? Cause you mentioned that you're a uh, improv sketch hybrid. Like, do you improv to sketch? Do you just write like what, what's the balance now? So I would say the balance is probably 65, 35, like on the side of a uh, sketch. Uh, we've, we've really pulled back from improv. Uh, you know, we, our, our coach was with us for four years and that's like a long time to, to have the same coach. And uh, we decided that, you know, it now was the time to, you know, get in and start doing, you know, new things to start work and, and start working with new people. So, uh, you know, it was an, an, an amicable split and we decided to start bringing in uh, guest coaches to uh, coaches for, for improv whenever we had an improv slot lined up. So for the couple weeks beforehand, we would have people like Jess Snow come in and, uh, and, and, and give us some quick coaching and prepare us. Uh, and then, you know, after we were done that show, we got right back into sketch mode. So mm. it's pretty, it's pretty heavily focused on sketch. Now we're actually, it's probably going to lead more into sketch because of the fact that we now have even better resources than before. What was your impression of like the first time doing sketch as that team live? How did uh, that, go? that we were better at sketch than improv. <laughs> 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 then, we, then we found out what we were able to do and, and do it well. I felt like really confident with us because uh, you know, as, as, as improvisers, we all had our strengths um, we all had individual strengths that really supplied to the team. It was like a cohesive unit. We were like a machine. Like each of us provided a specific uh, piece to that puzzle. And when it came to sketch, it felt like we were all more well-rounded with that. That we could all prepare uh, well, you know, well enough beforehand, and 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 work hard to get to where we want to be. So now we we're all at basically close to the same skill levels because we just work so well together and the people that were newer to it were able to to pick it up really fast and the people that have been doing stage theater for a while were were like the the leaders and, and helping through the process and then you had like a monthly show for like at the uh playing players right that's right yeah we had the the treehouse it is uh coming back again uh in I want to say, if not the end of the year, beginning of new year. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was, and that show, like, what was the, the split there of like improv work versus sketch work versus, you know, the, the acts that you would book? Uh, so we tried to do a big variety. So, you know, a lot of uh, mixture of improv, sketch, and stand up. Uh, we'd have at least two uh, stand up comics. Uh, and then a maybe a sketch team and then two uh, improv teams. Uh, so it was about an hour and a half, hour, 45 minute show. So we did that every about every month. Uh, and then we switched every other month uh, just based off of time constraints. Mm. And I would say we got some pretty interesting acts in there. We had a, a, a musical group from uh, Harrisburg come down and, and perform uh, for uh uh, treehouse comedy showcase and uh we've had uh you know, one of my favorite acts in the city that uh hasn't really performed in a little while is a side bitch uh it's a uh it dance improv uh duo that would dance and then dance their way into a scene and then start performing that scene and they're so fun and so interesting to watch because of uh just how you know 
in sync they were on stage with their you know with 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 their movements hmm. all right so and uh now we're here a couple years later uh with the new house team at fit so how yeah. what, what was the process like because i don't know if you apply to be director or if you were like you know chosen how do we get to the point where you're now the the new director of a fit house team sure uh so back i want to say it was back in early may was when the uh audition forms went out and uh the last audition before that i did uh an improv audition and uh i didn't bomb but i i didn't do great either uh so i was like kind of thinking about not just doing like any auditions for a while so then this audition came up and uh i hemmed and hauled over there for like a, a week about whether or not i'd even submit because i was like uh do i need another rejection right now uh uh but then you know i i submitted my uh it was a 10 page spec uh you know it was like with uh a, like two sketches in there and then like a, a list of of sketch ideas like 10 sketch mm. ideas for a specific uh you know no specific theme just about whatever i want and about like so you a submitted week, for the yeah. team you just submitted for the team it wasn't for the director role no no i i had just submitted for the team uh and i had i got it i got a message from uh uh from the from the producer who was saying like hey you know you didn't submit for this but if you want it it's yours you can be the director of the house team um, oh okay <laughs> So they were like, we, you know, we, we picked the other writers uh, for you. And then, uh, you know, and we felt that your, your packet was, you know, among one of the strongest and we wanted to, to see that come out. So, so do you want to direct this team? Okay. With the fit packets, mm-hmm. there's a question on, on the application. I believe it still was there about uh, philosophy and comedy. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you remember what you wrote? Not entirely, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I do know my own general uh, philosophy of comedy, and that's yeah. uh, you know, you're if you're doing comedy, you're aiming to make others laugh. You know, it is it is for me, comedy is about you know the entertainment of others. Uh, I view life philosophy as that we're all here to serve each other and to take care of each other, and you know the best way to to do that is is to you know take care of people's hearts. And I feel like comedy is a really big, big part of that. And it's a big uplifting thing. And, you know, I never, I never intentionally or, or work to try to punch down on people. Uh, you know, I always I aim actively to, to punch uh, sideways and up. So mm. all of my comedy sort of, sort of stems towards, towards that. Uh, but, you know, I also, also my comedy is focused on making fun of like what's common and what's popular. Uh, you know what are what are tropes that that people do and and how can I turn them on their side? So that's that's like my my comedy philosophy is is take care of others, uh, make them laugh. I'm talking about the experience of this new team, like becoming the leader or like the director of this of this you know motley crew of like random <laughs> people. Like, how's that been going? It's been great. Uh, they've been awesome. Uh, I you know I, as I said before, this is a disclosure. Like, I didn't even pick my my writers. Uh, but the, right, because yeah. that was my next question. Was like, what were you looking for when you picked your writers? And then when you said, <laughs> that, I was like, oh, okay, I got to cross that one out. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I I don't know if that's if that's uh, typical or atypical. I just know that uh, it was like we have these writers ready for you, and they sent me he sent me over their packets, and I read each one, and I was like, each one is bringing something 
absolutely different to the table. There's uh, a big mix of, of style. There's a big mix of uh, uh, ability, like not ability, but like experience. Um, you know, so everybody's coming in with something different and there's just like a, a ton of unique voices. And so like the, from the very first day, we were just throwing up a bunch of pitches on a board and just, you know, laughing at you know, laughing at each one, everybody vibed really well. So it's been, it's, it's been a great process. And then bringing in the, the actors, you know, about a month or so later after we got those first scripts written out, you know, it was, it's, it's everyone sort of come together, you know. It's, it's, it's come together beautifully with the fit house teams where there's a you know a team of writers and then a team of actors uh for uh for this new group are you are the writers also going to perform as well yes yes they are uh and i'm and i'm excited to have everybody sort of involved in the process like so what we do is we have uh the the writers as active uh, just as active participant as the as the actors and then the actors uh, will in turn uh you know will provide feedback towards the scripts and then if there's anything that they feel like that they want to change or moves around it's just a very collaborative process so everybody's working really you know in, in hand in hand to make the show and i think that for me that's that's like the the best process is when everybody can can work together to get to the you know to to, to find some common ground and then make something awesome from it and what do you think we can expect from the first baby science show uh, so this is a bunch of dark weirdos. There's going to be some dark comedy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that being said, like, it's all really, really, really funny. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of media references. You're going to see a lot of references to, uh, television shows, movies, music, books. Uh, you know, it, that's, it's very thematic around that whole, uh, theme. The name, the name of the show is We Love the Media. So the, so the background poster is just this, like black and white TV. Again, it's the black and white. I love that stuff. Uh, mm. but they're, they're coming in, uh, they're coming in hot and fast and, uh, they're, <laughs> and, and they're, and they're ready to, to bring their comedy a game. You mentioned how, uh, where the trees are, we're doing more video things before they did live things. Yep. Why did you all brand the video work as trees are instead of where the trees are? Uh, so we wanted to have a separate entity for booking purposes, uh so it's something that we have been working towards to get you know we wanted to have where the trees are as our improv group and then trees are as our as our sketch comedy group because uh you know we've been in the city for a little while now you know we we may not be like the the most famous group in the city but we we've we have at least a uh somewhat of a reputation and we want to at least have where the trees are over here uh, in one bucket and trees are in the other and uh it's also trees are playing off of where the trees are and then making that yeah uh, it it, it yeah. wasn't until i said it out loud that i caught that like... <laughs> yeah yeah that uh, we also uh uh the 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 women of the group uh created their own subgroup for a little while they perform as uh uh the i think they were called the saplings um okay. <laughs> so like so so we just do a lot of tree puns we like to do that that, that sort of thing <laughs> uh it's real it's real dumb it's real silly but uh, yeah, trees are, and we just like to work with that that Russian imagery. Uh, it's just it's very evocative. Am I missing anything from your like? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, other than that, I'm also a writer for uh, PCW, the Philly Comedy Wrestling, along with a. Uh, uh, is that coming Tochi. back? It is. Uh, we are working on a new show. Okay. Uh, the only thing it's I can say. Been a while since that last one, hasn't it? it the last. Like? It was. Uh, 
we had it was the Royal Rumble, so it was at the beginning of the year. So it was uh, I want to say January. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was January of this year. So we did a uh, a four show run, and each of them different from one another. Uh, yeah, that was it was tough, uh, but uh, we made it work. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the wrestling is like pre planned like the week before, but we write out those uh, those promos and we do videos uh, a couple mm-hmm. weeks in advance. A handful of us to get together and and write out like a bunch of dumb ideas while watching wrestling, and then we find a way to put it on stage. Uh, we got some fun surprises for this next one. I can tell you right now, two words, and I'm just gonna leave it at that: time travel. Oh, yep. All right, diving into the Chikara bucket there. A little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all Chikara fans too. As we're winding down here, um, ask everybody to go a little deeper at the end. Uh, so what is something that you've learned from comedy now? Like you're in a position of being the director of being the, I, I guess director is probably your, the title for sure. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a uh, head writer coach. of the They call team. it a head writer at the, at the theater, but it's uh yeah, I, I, I function as the director. Um, what's something that you've learned that you've caught on in your time doing comedy that you would pass on to someone that's relatively new to the day, to the sketch comedy world? Uh, comedy is about taking care of one another. I mean, that's, that's sort of been, you know, like I said before, it's my philosophy. And, you know, if you get that pretty early on, then you're going to be, you're going to be golden because, you know, whether, whether it's in the green room and you're doing the got your back before a show, uh, or you're, uh, just trying to put on a funny show for a friend who's just having that, you know, a rough go of it, uh, or even just coming together as, as a group, as a sketch group and just taking the time you know, every week to talk to one another, not just do comedy, but also just vent to one another and, and, and treat that group as a group of friends like you, like you normally would, because that's who they are. They're your friends at this point. You know, once you, once you learn that comedy is about helping one another and, and making that impact, it makes the whole process a lot more fun and, you know, a lot more worth it. And then, uh, I mean, we talked a little bit, you know, you mentioned how you know comedy is a way to care for each other so mm-hmm. why comedy why why has improv and sketch taken a such a decent chunked portion of your life like why pursue it oh well that's a good question i uh you know i i grew up with really bad depression and uh i grew up with a really bad generalized anxiety disorder and it was kind of hard for me to make friends early on in life and the ones that I did make ended up moving away and I didn't really, you know, make very big connections in my life really until high school. Uh, and that's also conveniently like when I started getting even more into comedy and, and starting it for the, for the art of it that it was. So I always viewed comedy as a way to sort of help myself get over something because if I can at least make myself laugh, then I'll know that, you know, by the end of the day that, you know, it's, it's all been worth it. So comedy is like a is 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 as much of a uh, uh, a crutch for me as it is a a tool for for helping others. So I'm not when when I when I say care for others, I'm also caring for myself too because it's that's part of the deal is that I feel really good when I can do comedy and I'm taking care of others uh, while doing so. Nice. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Steve. Of course. Thank you, Josh.
during our chat, we talked about an interpretive dance-like piece of drama set to the song Everything by Lifehouse. For an example of this, head to myfirstsketch.com slash videos. Or you can do your own deep dive on YouTube. There's a ton of them. So many, in fact, that if you search Everything by Lifehouse on YouTube, there are more examples of this piece of drama than there are of the actual song or the music video. Baby Science, the new Fit House team for which Steve is the head writer, premieres this week with shows on Thursday, October 3rd at 7.30 and Friday, October 4th at 10.30. And then the following week, October 10th at 7.30 and October 11th at 10.30. Head to fitcomedy.com for ticket information. You can follow Baby Science on Instagram at Baby Science and on Facebook at facebook.com slash babysciencesketch. If you just go to facebook.com slash babyscience, it's an adoption agency in South America. For more on where the trees are, go to facebook.com slash where the trees are. Also this week, Goat Rodeo is heading into the sunset with their show, Stages of Grief, Friday, October 4th at 9 p.m. and Saturday, October 5th at 8.30. Fitcomedy.com for ticket information. You should go and see one of the great sketch comedy teams in Philadelphia. One last time. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band No-No, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.